Hey, welcome again to Bethany. Uh, I'm not sure if I had a chance to introduce myself in the light of so many awesome things that are happening. Uh, my name is Prentice. I'm the pastor here at Bethany West Seattle. Uh, and I'm so excited and I'm so glad that you're able to make it uh, this morning. I walked outside and it was raining. Don't you guys miss the sun? A little bit? Okay, well, I'll, I know I do. Uh, but at the same time, I love our beautiful city, and I love that there's all four seasons. I lived in L.A. for several years, uh, and we don't get uh, weather like this, and so I'm actually grateful. Hey, we continue our series on sustainable faith, uh, and this morning we talk about these two ideas, this idea of generosity uh, and the fact that we forget what generosity actually looks like and what it means, and how generosity is oftentimes or should be paired with this idea of simplicity. And so two ideas that we'll talk about this morning uh, is the idea of simplicity. I know that this word gets thrown, out, thrown around a lot uh, alongside with generosity. And so our text this morning comes from Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through 14. Let me just read this out loud for you. It says this, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. That now and at last you have received, you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I'm referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have a little, and I know what it is to have plenty, and in all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well fed. Uh, of well-fed and going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In any case, it was kind of you to share my distress. Let me pray. God, thank you so much that as we talk about this whole idea of simplicity and generosity, you teach us on what it looks like to be content. And God, may we hear your words, may it be piercing to our hearts, and may it actually transform our lives. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, so I had a pretty busy last couple of weeks. I, I did a few things. Uh, I bought a house. I moved in. I got a puppy. Uh, and if you follow me on social media, you've seen one, two, or 20 pictures uh, of her already. Uh, and one of the things that I've realized about moving is this. Moving is exciting, right? Especially, you know, when uh, you buy a house or when you get into a new place or in a new city. Uh, moving sometimes can be very exciting. Uh, at the same time, along with the excitement of moving, we realize that moving is just a pain in the butt, right? Uh, you have to pack you have to unpack, you have to actually move, you have to call your friends and say, hey, will you help me move? Uh, and I, fortunately, I had a lot of friends uh, come and, and help me and made it quick, and I'm so thankful uh, for that. Uh, but one thing I was realizing is this, is as I was packing, and you guys have probably done this as well, you realize you have a lot of things. And I remember when I was telling my friends, I was like, hey, guys, don't worry, I don't have a lot of things. Uh, we'll be in and out in, in the jiffy. And so, and I said, hey, don't worry. I'm going to do all the packing. And so a week before, or just a few days before, I was packing, putting stuff in boxes. And I realized there's a lot of things. And you start to wonder, like, wh why do I have this? 
or, or where did I get this from? Uh, for example, I was looking through my closet and I was you know, putting a, a Goodwill or a giveaway pile and to keep pile, uh, and I found this t-shirt that I haven't seen in a long time. It's a, t- it's a white t-shirt with a huge face of Bill Murray. I don't know why I still have it, but I know I ha- I've had it for a long time, and I remember the day that I bought it, and I remember seeing it at Target, and I said, I need that T-shirt, and so I bought it. And then as I was packing away, I realized, why do I still have this? And, and after I was done packing, I started to call my friends, and, and I started to drive to Goodwill and give things away, and it was easy for me to give things away as I was remembering to think about this idea of simplicity. Now, oftentimes, we collect so much. Yes, uh, when you move, this is a reflection of our lives, but so oftentimes, we think we need so much that we keep collecting and collecting and collecting, and we wonder why our country, especially, well, really here in the West, we actually have a problem with greed. We actually have a problem with materialism. Because we have this idea of saying, I need this, I need that. We keep collecting, collecting, and collecting. And the funny thing is, at the end of the day, we realize, wait, what, what, why do I have this? And, and it's that point that we need to get to is to the question, why do I have this? Because something clicks when we say, why do I have this? Why do I need this? And watch this. What clicks is this idea of generosity saying, I don't need this. I can actually give this away. And so as we talk about this idea of simplicity and generosity, it's very, very connected. When we think about this idea of simplicity, it is simplifying just having things that we need and not just that we want, not that that's always bad, then something clicks and says, okay, then I don't need everything that I have. I can freely give it away. The story about moving, and for me, hoarding, and finally getting to the point where I can give it away is about simplicity. But don't get me wrong here. Simplicity is not just about downsizing. Yes, I got rid of stuff and I downsized, but simplicity is not about downsizing. Simplicity is about knowing the difference between needs and wants and being content with either. Simplicity is not about downsizing. That's easy. That's easy to do. Simplicity is about understanding the difference between what you need and what you want and being content in either circumstance. And what do I mean by either? Well, if you have everything you want, of course you'd be content. It's only the people or myself or you that are in need that need a lesson on contentment because there's things that we need and the lesson is you should be okay exactly where you're at. But when we read in the scripture, Paul says, I've had it all and I've lost it all. And in both situations, I know what it feels like and know what it looks like to be content. So there's this idea that it's not just the people that are in need that need to be content. It's the people that have everything they want also need contentment. And so, well, if you have everything you want, of course you'd be content. It's just a false understanding. I mean, look at our own lives, in your life, in my life. Have we ever said something like this? If only I made this much money. 
And then you actually make that much money. And then what happens? Only if I made just a little bit more. Or, or uh, you know, what if I was married and then you get married? Well, now I want children. Now I have one children. Well, what if I want two children? Or what if you, you know, move into a house? Oh, man, I want to move into a house. This was me. I want to move into a house. You finally move in. You got everything you want. And suddenly, oh, man, only if it was just a little bit bigger. I mean, as I moved in, I remember unpacking, putting my couch down, and I remember laying down. And I do remember thinking the gratitude, the fact that I was able to to buy my first house and to, you know, have the blessing of my friends and family. And then I thought, oh, man, but only if I had one more bathroom. Then I would have two bathrooms for myself. That's what I really need. Or only if I had that job and then you finally land that job. Oh, but only if I was in that different position or only if I got promoted. We've all been there. Yes, that if we have things that we need, yes, we also need to be content. But for those of us and many of us, we've gotten almost everything that we've wanted. And yet there's still not contentment. And let me put it this way. If you've ever asked these things, just a little bit more about your finances, about your job, about your possessions, even about your relationships, we've all understood this whole idea of discontentment. Because we all get poisoned with this idea of if only. I call it the if only syndrome. If only I had more of this. And the question is, what is that if only for you? We all have these if only. If only I had just this one thing added, then my life would be better, and finally I would be content. And we all know through our own experiences that just simply is not true. It's just not true. I wish it was. It's just not true. And so the whole idea of simplicity is getting rid of this whole if only concept. It's this understanding that, no, it's incorrect. It's a myth to say, if only I added more from here to here or from there to here or from over here to here, then my life would be complete. As a matter of fact, the message of Jesus is very opposite. It's very antithetical to that. As a matter of fact, he says it's, it's, the, simplicity, it's the simplistic life that actually brings contentment and joy. It's not just continuous adding and adding and adding to your life. And yet we've been fooled with this if-only syndrome. And in, in Philippians chapter uh, 4 that we just read in verse 10 through 13, we see the example of this myth being true or, or this myth being demythified. Paul says, all right, you think that if, as long as you gather things then your life will be content? Well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I love what he says. He says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I love that. There's three things that we want to know about Paul for us to better understand uh, his message. First, we have to understand that Paul was in prison. Paul was in prison. He was writing this letter to the Philippians uh, or the church of Philippi from Rome. And 
that's the context that we can't forget. That in the midst of his, he's actually not just talking the talk, but he's actually walking the walk. He's saying, look, I know what it feels like to have a lot. I know what it feels like to have a little. This was a man who belonged to the tribe of Benjamin, it just, it, which is a very uh, elite set of of Judaism. And in chapter 3, he goes down his resume. He says, I'm the Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm a part of the tribe of Benjamin. I have come from, uh, I'm a Pharisee, which is, again, another elite sect of three parts of the Jewish community, of Jewish leaders. I mean, if anybody has anything to brag about, about having it all together, about having everything, it's Paul. He says, I've had everything. And then he says, you know what? And I've had nothing. So he's He's experienced both dichotomies. He's in prison now. What's he in prison for? He's in prison because he was a church planter. He spread the news of Jesus. And here in the first century, that was a big no-no. And so he got taken into prison in Rome. So Paul was in prison. That's very important for us to understand as he gives the message of contentment, about having nothing and yet still living with joy. Number two, Paul was among Stoics. This was early in the 60 AD when Greek influence permeated the culture and society. And Stoicism was a prominent school of philosophy. Stoics believe you controlled your own happiness. You can feel any way you want. You are in control. Stoicism says, uh, if there's a problem in your life, if you're upset, if you're happy, if you're content, if you're discontent, that's on you. You are able to essentially create your own destiny. That was a, make, a big message of Stoicism in the first century. So Paul was in prison. Paul was among Stoics. And three, Paul was a student under this man named Gamaliel who essentially was, uh, who was a rabbi, who was essentially a really well-known and well-respected rabbi. Uh, and being under the yoke, the study of Gamaliel, was essentially like going to Harvard of his day. He was a rigorous student of Jewish theology, but also a student, what I like to say, of the hard knocks. He learned. I mean, he, he knew the streets. Uh, he was street smart. He knew the scriptures. He knew the Torah. I mean, Paul was a student through and through. And this helps frame our messaging. This helps frame his messaging as he speaks to the Philippian church about contentment. And if simplicity is being content with what you have or not have, how do we now view contentment? Because contentment is about being okay again with what we have and what we don't have. And so there's a few lessons that we want to learn about contentment. And the first lesson is this. Contentment, this is really important, contentment is an internal satisfaction that does not depend on external circumstances. Contentment is an internal satisfaction deep down inside the inner depths of our souls that we are satisfied and it's not because we are dependent on any external circumstances. Verse 11 says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Again, remember that Paul was in prison when he was writing this. Externally, he didn't have much going for him. 
externally, if I was him, not only would I be upset because I was in prison for no wrongdoing, but I would be angry with God even. God, I was doing your will. God, I was doing what the right thing is. Why am I here in this prison? I mean, do we ever blame God for the things that we do in our lives or things that happen in our lives? Especially if you uh, are good or if you're a follower of Jesus. And, and even myself, there's times like, God, I, I've committed my life to you. I've become a, a pastor. Why is this or that? Has that happened to me? What's going on? God, would you have favor? Has any of us, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but a lot of us have been there. God, where are you? Because our joy and our satisfaction at that point is not contingent on our foundation and love of God, but it's in the outside circumstances. God, why is this happening to me? Not only would I be upset if I was Paul, but I'd be really bitter. Because Paul has experienced it all. He's coming from a life of lavish. King of, you know, Hebrews of Hebrews, tribe of Benjamin, Pharisee. I mean, he was the number one killer of Christians which back then in the Judaism uh, faith community, he was known as a big deal. Yes, good job, Paul. We love you. We're going to follow you. And yet he says, I'm not saying this because I have everything going great for my life, essentially. I've just learned what it feels like to be content. I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. He continues to say that he's seen and experienced it all. He said that there was a point when I had everything and experienced everything. And yet, he says, God is the one who fills him with strength. With strength. He understands that the love and the strength, it says I can do all things who, through Christ who gives me strength. Through Christ's strength, he can endure. He can seek joy. He can be happy. He can be positive. Now, again, this isn't saying that there isn't a space to mourn. There isn't a space to be angry or lament. There is. Believe me, there is. But at the same time, Paul is understanding that the joy and the contentment, the satisfaction that he receives is outside of his circumstances and comes supernaturally, essentially, through God. See, contentment lasts only as long as a thing that we find it in. Isn't that true? Contentment only lasts as long as the very thing that we find it in. So if we find contentment in the very temporal things, well, then your contentment is going to be very temporary. If you find your contentment on something that is permanent and that is ongoing, that is unconditional, that is loving forever, who is God, then that contentment is forever. The woman at the well. I give you water where you will thirst no more. Matthew chapter 4, the temptation. Man does not live on bread but bread alone, but on every word of the mouth that comes from God. I will give you, God says, I will promise you, I give you the things that will never run dry. You want to live life, John 10, I will give you life and life to its abundance. Not just life, I'll give you life above life. And yet we seek contentment in the temporal, even if it's a job, even if it's money, even if it's technology or fame or upward mobility. That's all temporary. And if you find your contentment in the temporary, your contentment would also be 
temporary. Nothing lasts forever. Nothing. I mean, the greatest example of this for me is, uh, and this is my confession, is the iPhone 8 or the 10 that came out. I want it. I want it really bad. Just like I wanted my iPhone 6. And I remember when I got it, I said, yes, this is the best phone ever. I love it. I'm very content with my phone. And then the iPhone 7 and the iPhone 8 comes out. My phone hasn't changed. It still does everything I want it to do. And yet, this phone is terrible. I don't like it anymore. It's outdated. Uh, it's worthless. Now I want the iPhone 8. Not only the iPhone 8, I want the iPhone 10 because you can make the emojis talk. Did you know that? I'm like, I need that. And I get the iPhone 10. Unless I don't have it, but let's say I get it. And I get the puffy face and I say, hey, how's your day going? Awesome, great. And then now the iPhone 11 is going to come out. And what am I going to do about the iPhone 10? This thing is worthless. I need that. That's our life. What are you basing your contentment on? Is it just more things that we just gather? You're extending your resume, your bank account, your equity, whatever. I don't know what it is, but the more and more you gather, the bigger you will be disappointed. Simplification. Simplify is knowing that whether you have a lot or whether you have a little, you're okay. Because at the end of it all, it's God's strength and God's love that you're dependent on. So contentment is an internal satisfaction that does not depend on external circumstances. Number two, contentment is to see what you have. I mean, it sounds very simple. Contentment is to see what you have and not be blinded by what you want. Contentment is to see what you have and not to be blinded by what you want. Oftentimes, we are so preoccupied with what we don't have that we neglect the blessings right in front of our face. In our efforts to try to gain so much more and to have more and to gain, you know, reputation or whatever it is, in the midst of our uh, longing and, and chasing, we forget the people and even the very little things that are right in front of my face, in your face. How many times have you washed your car and said, God, thank you that I have transportation? How many, how many of you turned on water this morning? How many of you took a shower this morning, hopefully all of you, uh, and said, God, thank you that I have clean running water that I can just waste because I'm cold and I just like sit in the hot shower for 10 minutes because it warms me up? I mean, who does that? I mean, I do that, okay? God, thank you. I mean, I can turn on the faucet, put water in it, and guess what? I can drink it. I know some of you guys rather have purified or, or what is it now, LaCroix and all these things. I can turn on my tap water, my sink, and drink the water. How many of us have said thank you? Or what about family, your spouse, your children, your parents, your best friends? How many of you took the time this morning or when was the last time you said, you know what, I love you? And not just I love you, but God, thank you for this gift. 
thank you for this. God, thank you for this gift. Remember, you have to be the one calling that person a gift. You can't call yourself the gift to your spouse or to your friends. God, thank you. Not just I love you. I'm sure we say that a lot. As a matter of fact, love has been a little desensitized. I mean, that's a whole different message. But how many of us said, God, thank you for the blessings in my life? It's perfect. It's just enough. It's just enough. Whether you bless me more or not, I'm good with this. Thank you. Whether you If you never, and I say this all the time, God, if you never give me anything ever again to the rest of my life, I still have enough to thank you to the day that I die. I remember uh, when I first started with my coffee obsession. For those of you that know me, I love love coffee. And I'm a coffee snob. Like I, I mean, when I go into, I'm, I'm that guy when I go into a coffee shop. What kind of beans do you use? Mm, kind of really judgy. Like, is that, <clears throat> is that, and sometimes I just kind of like pretend I know what I'm talking about. Is that natural or washed? Like, oh, it's, it's washed. Oh, all right. Oh, somewhere. Where's that being? Is that from Ethiopia? Or is that from Burundi? Or is that South America? So the whole, you, you know, the flavor profile is different, right? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what's your ratio? One to 17, one to 20? Like, I'm that guy that comes in and annoys the barista. And when I was first starting in this obsession, I'd go to a coffee shop in Ballard, of course, right? Uh, and I sit down, and I was like, you know what? I'll take, a, I'll, I'll take a pour-over, you know, from Ethiopia, you know, pretending I know what I'm talking about. And he, you know, takes like 10 minutes to make this cup of coffee, which I'm okay with. And he gives me into a little cup, a little 10-ounce cup, and says, there you go. And I look at it, I sip it, it's delicious. And I said, hey, uh... Can I, can I get a bigger size? I mean, I'm used to, you know, going to Starbucks, Tully's, or whatever it is. I mean, I remember this was a time where there was a size called the Trenta. Do you guys remember that? I don't know, it's like 30-something ounces of iced tea or coffee. Uh, or, you know, there's all these different sizes. And I said, hey, do you have like a bigger size, like a, you know, what we would call a venti or like a grande? And he says, no, you know what? We only serve 10-ounce cups. And I'll never forget this. And, I, and to this day, I say this to my friends. He says, A good cup of coffee should only be enjoyed 10 ounces at a time. Really? But this is so good. And if you look at all the other foodie magazines, if you go to expensive restaurants, you pay $100 for a good meal, and I'm expecting like chicken and waffles and steak. And I mean, if I'm paying that much, I want everything. And you get a little thing like this. Because it's so good. You just enjoy that little thing that you have and just enjoy it. And you leave happy, you leave filled, you leave experienced. I mean, it's exactly what you need. And I think about that story with the coffee, with the things in my life. I'm sitting here chasing the Trenta, the Venti, the Grande, and God is saying right there, that's all you need. Don't miss it. It's delicious. Sip. Experience it. And I think about Paul, there's so much freedom in that. Yet, yes, Paul was in shackles. Yes, he was arrested in the Roman prison for the very thing that the Romans hated him for. And yet, although he was the one in prison, he was the most freed person in the whole Bible outside of Jesus. Though he was in prison, he experienced so much freedom. Freedom. In 1 Timothy 6, it says, but godliness with contentment. Is great gain. 
For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. When was the last time you took inventory of the things right in front of your face? Yes, we're blinded. But what are the things that we are missing? See, discontentment is a poison that seeps in when you neglect what you have for what you want. Funny thing, speaking of Stoicism, Socrates says this. He says, he who is not content with what he has would not be content with what he would like to have. So don't be blinded. And I'll end with this. Lastly, contentment is not created. It's discovered. See, Stoics believe that it was all about self-sufficiency, that they can create contentment. You create your own destiny. You create being joyful and being happy by accumulating. And that's kind of what our culture is done, where you accumulate. Again, simplicity is not about downsizing. It's about knowing that we don't have to accumulate. Whether we have a lot, not a sin to have a lot. Whether we have a little, not a sin to have a little. It's in either situation that our strength and our identity and who, are, who we are and our worth doesn't come from either, but it's discovered in who God calls us to be. See, in Matthew chapter th- 4, well, 3 and 4, when Jesus goes through the temptation, that was the whole idea of his identity. The tempter says, hey, turn this rock into bread. Hey, climb on this temple and jump down. Hey, see, everything that you have, I can give this to you. This was an attack on his identity. Do all these things. You'll be great. Jump off. Angels will catch you. All the Jews, they'll see that. You'll be a great man. You'll have fame. You'll have leadership. You'll have influence. You'll have voice. And yet Jesus says no to all of that. He says, my identity does not rely on any of those acts. But what is it, what is it on then? Well, that was in chapter 4. We have to go to chapter 3 where Jesus was baptized. That was the starting of his ministry, where God descended like a dove and said, you are my son, whom I love, who I'm well pleased. That was what he clung to. And the result of that, again, is generosity. Is that when we realize it's not about accumulating and taking and, and gaining this whole stock wealth of things, if, this isn't, if these things aren't the things that give me worth, then I can just give it away. When I was moving, the very things that I needed, that dumb T-shirt, I remember, I need this shirt. I got it. There's a lot of things I needed. Now, I don't need this. this I don't want this. I give it away. I give it away. Simplicity, again, not just about downsizing. It's about recognizing what you need versus what you want and yet being okay with both. This leads to generosity, the ability to give away. Not just give away, but give away uh, tenfolds, twentyfolds, give away frequently, give away joyfully. Not with bitter, like, oh my gosh, I have to give this away. No, you say, you know what, take this. I want to share this with you. I want to share this with you. 
I'm going to invite the band back up, and as we respond, I want us to think about these things. Again, I'm not here to say that having a lot is a sin. It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. What we forget there is it's the love. It's the love of money that gives birth to greed in materialism, in hoarding, in a desire for power and fame. But in Philippians it says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Be careful that the things that you own don't own you. Be careful that we don't become a slave to our pursuits. That we find freedom in knowing that our worth and our contentment isn't just about gathering, but it's about simplicity. God, thank you for the things that you've given me. What do we need to let go of? We have a hard heart. What do we need to be thankful for? Are we blinded by what we want? Are we angry? I don't know what it is, but may the next minute or so, may we just pray and respond to music. God, help me to be content and help my emotions and my joys not be contingent on things that are happening to me, but what you're doing in me. God, thank you so much for your word. Help us to live a life that is dictated and driven by nothing else but your love and your strength and your word in our lives. We thank you. Forgive us for the ways that we failed. Forgive us for the ways that we have abandoned our identity in you to pursue something else. We thank you for receiving us back and loving us unconditionally. Convict us this week.